All right. So we're going to be in Genesis 33, 1 through 4. Not too many verses, um, but uh, powerful verses. And, you know, I teach in a, a lot of different settings. I, I teach in churches. I teach in school setting. I teach in one-on-one -on -one settings. And just throughout my life uh, as, as a believer, I've just had some tremendous opportunities to, to sit and just be privileged, uh, to, to sit and talk and hang out with, with great groups of people. And one of the things that, that always strikes me, and I can't get it out of my head every time I step on stage, is that I always wonder what your story is. I wonder what, where you came from a lot of times. And, and some of you, I, I know your story somewhat. And, I, and, and for others, I don't. And, and it's just t today, I want to talk a little bit about that, our story. About where we come from, how we got here in these seats. And what is the future? What's our future? And I just, I love that. Because it does, it, it begins to get the mind thinking about Man, what a journey God has taken us on in this life. You know, I think it's funny because a lot of our journeys are pretty messy. <laughs> uh, I know mine is, and I know some of yours, and I know they are. And I think that anybody who said that their journey is not messy, I, I, I don't know if I could believe them. I think that many of our journeys takes us to many interesting places. Places that some of those places bring tears. Some of those places bring joy, but... You know, no matter what, those, those places are ours, and that's our journey that God has given us. Praise the Lord. And from the past to now and from now to the future, we are on one track. And that track is to meet our Creator, and that is good. And so, as I just spin and think about that, as I, and all that stuff is going on in my head as I step up on stage, I think about everybody in the room and what God is doing and the excitement of what God's doing. And, you know, there's a reflection that, that, that becomes in my mind. And, and I think about the reflection that we have as we look back upon our life and we think about the hopes, the, the promises that God has ahead of us. And it takes us to a few different places. One it takes us to the place of, man, thank you, God, for teaching me, giving me wisdom for all the times that journey got messy and got me back on top of things. And then there's other times, if you're like me, where God might be still teaching you the same lesson. Over and over and over again, right? And sometimes that just has to be the way it is because sometimes it takes some of us longer, people like me, it takes longer to pick up on that wisdom. And then there's in-between questions, right, as we go down the journey. And, you know, one thing's for sure as we go down this journey, we are on that highway, that kingdom highway to see our Savior. And, well, many times we have to get wrecked along the way on that highway, don't we? We get wrecked. We get stranded. We get pulled over. And, you know, I just, I think about how many times I've been wrecked in, in my life, and, and especially even, I think even more so to some degree, as I have come to know the Lord and His goodness, that like, wow, well, that used to work for me, and it's not working anymore. And I, I love this, because this, sometimes when we get in these wrecks, and we get these into these places as children of God, 
I just think that we have to bear this question. What thing in my life has got me twisted up and wrecked on this kingdom highway this morning? In my story, in my journey, where I'm going, where I've gone, where I've been, and where I'm going. So, guys, he is the way we go by, right? He's the highway, and he's the road we travel, and we are all on our way to be wrecked by reconciliation this morning. Okay, guys? We're going to be wrecked by reconciliation. Now, we're going to jump in. So we're here we are, Genesis 33, 1 through 4. I know, I apologize, guys. It's been a while since I've been at Calvary, so I actually uh, used NLT for this. So I know y'all used New King James. So sorry for any confusion. It says, Then Jacob looked up and saw Esau, coming with his 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and his two servant wives. He put the servant wives and the children at the front, Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph last, and then Jacob went on ahead. As he approached his brother, he bowed to the ground seven times before him. Then Esau ran to meet him and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they both wept. I'm sorry, it gets me. I've read this passage so many times, and I, I go through the Bible in a year and all this kind of stuff, and Genesis it just floors me every time I go through it. And in this moment, as I read through this this year, I just it just it almost knocked me off my chair. This beautiful, wonderful depiction of two brothers reconciling. Now, I've seen it. I've seen it again. I've seen God shine at the end of many of humanity's hardships. You know, that's what great stories are all made from. Happy endings. But the journey to get there, that's another story. And, well, Jacob had his fair share of hardships, but he was also the source of other people's hardships, wasn't he? He was. And I think it's interesting because if we look and get a little context to get to this beautiful moment, it was a rough patch. <laughs> it was a real rough patch for a long period of time. Because here we have uh, Jacob who's running. I mean, he's running from his father-in-law. That's where he just came from. He was running from his father-in-law who, well, he kind of made him financially bankrupt because of all the, the herds and uh, you know, he, he had a little uh, thing that God had blessed him with where he had favor and he would have all the best of the best of the flock. So everything else his father-in-law got wasn't so great. So there was that. And then, you know, there was some fear and paranoia involved. And so with all this kind of going on, Jacob runs. And by the way, Jacob's wife steals all the idols. Okay, that's a big offense if, you know, you believe that's your God or your gods or whatever it was. But Laban, uh, Jacob's father-in-law, was very upset, not just about the idols, but especially that, that Jacob was taking his daughters uh, away from him. And so 
The father caught up to him. The father-in-law caught up to Jacob. And so then they had a little meeting. And again, this meeting was based out of fear and paranoia. That, well, they built a little pile of rocks saying, here's the dividing line. You don't come kill me and I won't kill you. Man, only, because it's not over yet, Jacob has is, is got all this stuff going on and he's running back. He's trying to get away from all this stuff, all these things that he has made for himself on his way back to a person that he impersonated, <laughs> right? Do you remember in, in, in Genesis where he puts on the, the, the camel hair and he, uh, he impersonates Esau to get what? What did he try to get from, from his father? The birthright. That's a big thing for the birthright. A birthright, a spiritual birthright that God had given to him. But man, he, he, he was going to take it into his own hands, wasn't he? But now, he ha- now he's back. And he's got to answer for all these bad decisions. And wow, I just, you look at this, and, and on the way, as, you know, he's coming up with a plan to try to please his brother, and, you know, I don't, how, how many of you have ever messed things up so bad that you, you felt like if you just didn't face it, if you could just kind of, like, hide it or compartmentalize it, that you could, you know, get away from it, like, the problem would stay there and that you could go find something new or something good. Well, I'll tell you what, the problem was Jacob, wasn't it? And anybody, when we look from the outside looking in, we see that. But we don't always see that in ourselves, do we? And so we see this depiction of a guy who's had a, he's got to face a lifetime, like literally a lifetime of bad choices, all convening in this moment. And wow, look what happens. He's now, oh, by the way, we can't forget, this is the most important part. After he sent all these, you know, uh, gifts to his brother to, you know, keep the anger down, try to hopefully he's going to appease the anger because of his guilty conscience, then God shows up and he wrestles with him. He wrestles with an angel. And what's even crazier is he is about to meet his brother. Not only is he having to answer for everything, and now he not only, he's no longer, he has no control over anything. His, his meeting is about to happen, and he walks with a limp now. He can't even defend himself. He can't even physically defend himself if he wanted to. Esau would have the upper hand. And Esau always had the upper hand because Esau was the hunter, right? He was the hunter. He was the hunter-gatherer. He's a manly man. You know, uh, there's, it was all, it, there's no contest. The thing that Jacob had is he was slick, and he had slick words. And guess what? You can be as slick as you want, but in the end, we're all on that trajectory to meet our Savior, aren't we? And, and this is what's so cool about this whole thing that's going on is this all converges. We just, we see that this happens and he thought his brother was going to wreck him. He thought his brother, they were going to come together and his brother was just going to ruin him. 
But what happened instead is he got wrecked by reconciliation. Man, what a wonderful lesson we see depicted today of our Savior. And we know that, but you know, this word reconciliation, we throw it out in our Christianese. It's our theological term, right? It's a term that it's an element of salvation that refers to the results of the atonement process, right? That Jesus became that sacrifice. He died for our sins. And that it didn't end there, right? Reconciliation, is it, it's, it's the end of estrangement. It's the end of this, God was our enemy because of sin, because of what happened in the garden. And here we have this wonderful thing that Jesus did for us. This reconciliation. And so no more enmity between God and humanity. And I like just the Webster's version. It's just the rest- a restoration of friendly relations. We get to be the friends of God. I love that. I love that. See, Jesus came to restore peace by reconciling all of creation. Not just you, but all of creation. Through his death and resurrection, through his gift. See, it's good to be wrecked by reconciliation. It's a wonderful thing because Jesus is reconciling it all to him. This scripture says, there is scriptures throughout the Bible that continue to point to this reconciling factor, reconciling all things to himself, to Jesus, by restoring the right relationship to God. Jesus also opens the door for us as Christians, as believers, to be in a right relationship, not just with him, but with one another. These are the things we're going to be talking about today. And honestly, I love the sound of it. I love it. But we often, on our way to reconciliation, this wonderful thing that we're just talking about, a wonderful gift that Jesus is giving, and we get wrecked because we're messy. And we are, aren't we? We're just messy. Ministry's messy. Things are messy. Nothing looks, I mean, I just, I don't know. I like to look at a lot. We hold ourselves really well when we walk into this building. But I can tell you 100% I'm a mess. And anybody in here that would say they're not a mess, I mean, I just, you know, I'm praying for you because we're all messy. Hence, hence, The whole point for reconciliation, there would not have to be a point for reconciliation if you weren't a mess. You do not have it together. And we see this, that Jacob did not have it together. As a matter of fact, what happens is we get wrecked. The reason we get wrecked is because we make selfish choices, hold on to anger, regret, justifying our sin, even burning up friendships because we have become next level. I'll be honest, within the Christian community, I see more people go next level all the time. Somehow that we've arrived to some kind of greater knowledge than another. This is just not true. We're just all sinners saved by grace. Just a beautiful thing if you just let it happen, right? If you keep your hands off of it. So when we look at this, I've often looked at Jacob and asked the Lord, like, how did he become a patriarch? How did this dude even get into the book, right? Because, I mean, I'll be honest, when you think of Jewish stereotypes, I really think that, like, he created all the bad ones. (laughs) 
No, I'm serious. I mean, have you looked? I mean, I'm just like, God, really? Jacob? But then, you know, what I had realized is that the thing that saved him was simply that at the end of his life, he was just wrecked. He was wrecked by reconciliation. He was wrecked because that wreckage that he faced, it made him a man of faith. It made him a man of faith. In Hebrews eleven twenty one, it says, By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of his sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. I love it. It's just one verse, and I will take it because it gives me everything I need to know right there. Man, at the end of his life, he slid in and just let God do the work. He was tired of being wrecked. He was tired of getting into, you know, making a mess of things. He was just leaning on a staff. He didn't even have the strength to hold himself up. But what does it say? It says that he blessed his sons. So this is a true man of faith that he didn't just believe in the work that was happening now or the work that had he had come from, but the work that he would do, what God would do in his son's life, in their son's life, in their son's life, in generation to come. He believed in the promises of God and what God had promised his bloodline, his people. What a wonderful picture of reconciliation. That he was wrecked. He had no more to give besides believe that the Lord had it all figured out for him. As you see, reconciliation, you have, the only thing that you have as far as the part of reconciliation is just to believe, just to have faith. It's, it's not anything you're going to do in your own work or because you might have think you got some really good information or some knowledge that, that you're going to somehow craft to create your own reconciliation with God. It will never happen. It just can't because Jesus did that. Jesus did that. Jesus made this place of where we meet him in faith in the work that he did, that we might worship him to let reconciliation happen. Being wrecked by reconciliation is the best thing that will ever happen to mankind. Romans 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by what? Faith. Right? into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So, God is drawing everybody near to Him. He's drawing you near to Him, even if you don't want it. Okay? Hence, being wrecked. You might think, James, I'm close enough to God today, closer than I've ever been, and I don't need to get any closer. Well, I'm sorry to hear that because He wants you closer. He wants you, he desires you. I, this is the problem. We don't understand how great his love and how close he wants us to be with him. He desires you, you, just specifically, each one of us. He desires this personal intimacy. And man, are we not blessed that we could be wrecked by him, the one who creates 
this restorative practice. So every time he's doing a very specific work, every time you get wrecked, he's doing a specific work. He's all along the journey. He's trying to catch your attention. He's kind of, we get off on our little thing and our little, you know, well, I'll do this. This will be a good idea. Nope, 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 nope. Here, let's try this. Come over here. Come a little closer to me. You'll see it'll come into focus. Or go, you know, well, well, okay, Lord, hold on, hold on. Just one more second. Let me just try one more of these. Nope, back over here, a little closer to me. That's all he desires is that you would be close. And so, as we look at this, every time he's doing this specific work and, and this, you know, we're, we're, we're doing this and we're, we're, we're being reconciled to him, this work, well, the reason that he, he desires this closeness is because, well, he wants us to move more freely as children of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I have trouble with true freedom and this is why. I went from being an addict to being saved. Being an addict, well, let's just put it this way. Most addicts are extremists. And then you turn that extremity and then you turn it to God. So you have like 100 miles an hour this way or 100 miles an hour this way. And, you know, there's no middle speed. There's no middle speed, and it's so difficult because what he's trying to do and what I am still trying to wrap my head around is he just wants me to be me. Guys, I don't know what you're trying to be as Christians today, but God desires not just that you would be close, but he longs for you to be exactly who he made in him. You don't have to try anything else. If you're trying to impress other people or you're trying to be look holy or look some like you're just stop. Just don't. Just don't. It just doesn't matter anymore. Let him restore you. Just be be like Jacob and just lean on the cane. Give praise and blessing and let it all sort out with the Lord. Turn for, turn, just, just turn away from the, 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 the things of this world and receive the things that restoration does. And this is the, the, the best part, is it brings three very key things into our lives that you're going to need. And that's what we're going to talk about for the rest of our time together. And so if you're taking notes, it brings humility into our life. It will bring healing into our life and it will bring a hunger for righteousness in our lives if we would just be wrecked by reconciliation okay so it really happens in these moments where we realize we can't run anymore <laughs> like our friend jacob in the story we just we, we keep on we run in our little directions that we like to do and and, and it could be um, even sometimes uh, it could be financial matters. It doesn't have to be like the big sins that we all think about. It could just be, you know, a lot of things. It could be just anything that we didn't like go to take to the Lord and we just want to do it in our own strength. Right? Not too difficult to understand. And we end up, we run in our own way, but then we get tired, don't we? 
we feel the weight of life. Or I would like to call it the weight of life, where we wait to see, you know, hey, God, give me what I deserve. Right? The weight of life. But that perspective of waiting to see what God's going to do for you, man, you can't, he can't do that if you're doing your own thing. He can't, he can't do that if, if, if you're, you know, running in the wrong direction. He can't do that if you just, if you, if your choice is to be tired. And so there's this pivotal moment, I think, in each of our lives as we get to that point of tiredness and we get tired of running, we get tired of compartmentalizing, and we have that moment of fear and paranoia that comes over us. I don't know how many of you have had to cry out to the Lord because of fear and paranoia, but I have. That is the worst feeling, and I believe every human feels this. I do. I do. We don't like talking about it. It's so gnarly. We don't like talking about it, even with one another. We don't. Well, and, and if you haven't, I, I thank the Lord that you've never had to experience it. But there are things that have happened in our life that have kept us up at night. And this is the thing, is when we rest our head on that pillow, we can have a pivotal moment every night where that fear and paranoia, when it comes on so strong, that we can have that metanoia moment, right? Metanoia, the Greek word to change one's mind. And we can change it. And as the mind changes, we get wrecked. We get wrecked by falling into the embrace of our Redeemer, and what a beautiful thing that is. It's just beautiful. So now, there are things we see from Jacob as he fell into this moment, his mind-changing moment, right? That his brother, with his brother, which is this act of reconciliation. And the first time, honestly, for, you know, Bible nerds and people who just like cool Bible facts, it's the first time reconciliation is ever brought up in the Bible, is in the story. And so we see Jesus in this. And we see reconciliation, this beautiful concept of two men coming to the end of themselves and finding one another in the love of God. And so we see there's a few signs here that indicate Jacob is genuinely repentant, that he genuinely had that change of mind. And I just want to look at it real quick. And, and this can apply directly to us at any given point. So if you hear something, I'm not talking about you, but I'm just, this is the human condition, and this is what happens when we're repentant, okay? It says here, when, when we talk about how humility is shown, well, it just means to have freedom from pride and arrogance. I don't know. Again, he wants us to move freely, Okay, he just wants us to move freely as children of God. And pride and arrogance tie a child of God down. We can't move around if we're all arrogant and prideful and we think we know how to you know, handle everything in our lives. It's just not going you know, to work out. And so what we see is Jacob, at the end of himself, he's bowing like seven times before his brother. He's, on, he's like face down. How humbling. 
How humbling. But this is what's happened is he accepted full responsibility for his actions in that moment. And I think that that is a beautiful thing. And he didn't have to worry about it. He, he just accepted it. He received it. And, and you know, he, he welcomed the accountability of the other people around him. They saw it. True spiritual leadership 101 right there. He hit the ground. Everybody saw it. And they're like, that's our leader. This is what leading looks like. This is reconciliation. This is the power of God. And we have to find our way to this place. And that comes with repentance. So he also did not continue the hurtful behavior that he had done with his brother. The, 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 the cycle stopped, right? He, he began to love his brother in a way that he did not know was possible. I mean, I don't know, man, but you got to be happy to see somebody if you're kissing their neck. Like, that is such a passionate love of wanting to be close and just missing someone and tears streaming. It says they wept. And this is the depiction that I see our Savior as we have been become into reconciliation with Him, that He is holding on to us and He is just uh, elated. He can, it's, I, I, the, the, the picture in my mind, the love in my mind, I know does not describe nor could I be able to begin to describe how God feels, but His Word states that He loves us greatly so much that He would sacrifice His life. And not only that, that He would allow us to change our mind and stop the hurtful behavior that we do to one another. So it's not just reconciliation with him, but also reconciliation with one another, that we could love one another. It also here, he doesn't have a defensive attitude about being wrong, does he? He's like, well, the reason I, you know, impersonated you. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry about that. Sorry about back in the day. He wasn't trying to defend himself. Yeah, that goat hair, it was uncomfortable. Like, he didn't even bring it up. Didn't bring it up. And uh, I, I find that just uh, refreshing because sometimes it's just like when you see brothers and sisters, you just know they're hurting. And you know they just need someone to listen. And you know you can see the humility in their eyes. And there's nothing better than that brother who just comes and hugs you. It's good. It's of God. It's reconciliation. And guess what? He also made restitution where it was necessary. I mean, I know that he gave gifts out of fear, but God used it, didn't he? And so it's not like we're surprising God with our messiness and our sin, right? He's not like, I can't believe that James just did that. I can't believe that Becky just did that. He's not surprised by our messiness. He just isn't. Well, God, this time I really went too far. He said, not far enough because you can never get far enough from me because I'm drawing you near me. I'm drawing you near me. You cannot escape me. We will, every, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. And we're going to see the love in his eyes no matter what we chose. And I love it. I love that... 
He loves us so much. And, and scriptures talk about humility all day long. It's not just an old, this, this concept of humility is not just an Old Testament concept. We see in Philippians 2, 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others, uh, excuse me, value others above yourself. And here we have Jacob valuing his brother. And here we have Esau valuing his brother. Each, they, 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 the, the humility it was so thick in the air, you can still feel it when you read God's word. And I think that also what's beautiful when you get to this, and I believe as, as believers a lot of time, we kind of get selfish with our gifts. Our, our, you know, our spiritual gifting, like it, that's why, you know, when we talks about uh, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, I think that a lot of times we kind of get full of ourselves as believers too. And, and like, it's funny how we'll, we'll kind of play it off. We'll decide, you know, who we're going to use our spiritual gifts with and who not to or hand people off to. I talked about a little bit today and uh, I got to do a Devo this morning for the servants. And, and I think about that a lot, about when God brings people to us and then we try to hand them off. And I'll tell you, here, there was no handoff, right? They, were, they embraced they, they, what the, the people God had made them to be, the spiritual giftings that he had gave, given them, they embraced what God was doing in that moment together. No, you know, it would have been easy for Esau to say, just pass him on by. Yeah, you can have a little piece of land over here. I'm just going to pass you. Just stay over there, though, okay? I'm still upset with you. It can, it, we, a lot of times we can justify, you know, looking godly, but not really ever addressing and opening our heart to the gifting and love that we, that, that God desires between each of us. And I love this depiction because it hits it on all fronts. It says in Proverbs 22, 4, humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. And then, of course, here's 2 Corinthians 7.14, which we always use. Well, at least it seems in the last, it's a, there's a resurgence of this uh, verse in the last four to five years where we talk about, you know, our nation needs to turn around and get right with God, which is true. But I just want you to remember that a nation of people start with individuals. It starts with individuals and this is the thing. This is what it says. If my people who are called by na my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn away from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Well, I'll tell you, if the heart is not humble and the heart is not clean, then there will be no manifestation of a clean country or a forgiven country or reconciled country there will never this reconciliation will never take place if it doesn't happen with the individual first and so i just i encourage all of us and as, as i believe this the scripture is encouraging all of us that if if, if who are called by our name by his name it's us individuals our stories our stories of reconciliation, each of us. 
And we get to pray and seek his face, and we get to turn, have that metanoia moment, that changing of the mind in order to receive him and be with him and be drawn near to him. That Through that, it would manifest into healthy surroundings and environments where we don't press people off to the side. We're not excusing bad behavior, but we're fully, we're fully open to being wrecked by reconciliation, fully receiving the messy people into our life holding them, listening to them, loving them. Now, I know that that sounds all well and good. And Jacob gives us a clear depiction that he is letting go of all of his things that he's been trying to hold on to his whole life. And the Lord allowed him to come to the end of himself. The Lord let it happen. And just when you think it would go terribly wrong, the, the Lord made what would have been a horrible ending into a beautiful beginning. We see it in the prodigal son as well. Like, this isn't the only time the Bible talks about this concept of reconciliation, right? This is something that's on our Heavenly Father's heart. He wants you to know it. He wants it to get through to you that He desires you to be near Him. And so He says this, you know, or at least this concept of the prodigal son, you know, here's this humbling of a young man who what? He squanders his inheritance and then eats with the pigs. Guys, I am a professional squander. Just want you to know that. We do. If, if my heart, which is deceitful and wicked above all things, it longs for death. It longs for it. And this is the thing. It longs to squander life my life. And that's the enemy's game. That's the flesh's game. It, it wants to squander life. And yes, our heart's desire is to waste it away, but God loves us too much to leave us where we're at. Like where we're at right now. Guys, we're all somewhere right now. We're somewhere in our journey right now. And there's a part of our life that needs to be wrecked. Wrecked. By reconciliation, it does. It, it will help us get one, one step closer towards the Lord. And so, guys, this is what's beautiful, is through this, through this humility that God has for us, we get to my second point. We get to heal. We get to heal. Man, the Lord desires such a deep healing inside you. A deep healing. Not the healing you think you're going to get. Like, we're always like, Lord, if you just deliver me from, you know, there's always some kind of, like, rubbing the, the genie, you know, Lord, if you just deliver me from this, I promise I'll never, you know those ones? You know, everybody does. No, I'm talking about a healing that's far beyond that. A cataclysmic healing. A healing that goes far deeper than you could ever dream. It's there. Now, I'm not saying it's easy, but he desires this. And the first thing that we need to remember is that deep healing will take growth and change. And those are two things I don't like. Those are two things the heart don't like. And so, but in the relationship in this restorative practice, this 
restoration when we get to get closer to the Lord and get wrecked and walk past the wreckage as he sorts the wreckage out and we get to get moving down that highway, that path that he has for us. What happens is what once we experienced as bitter in life, we now experience as sweet. Okay, now, see, once we're humble, and receive God's forgiveness, we begin to heal. And not only do we begin to heal, but we get to heal the relationships around us. Now, pagans may also give good gifts, but pagans can't forgive. Not truly. Pagans will always hold it against you. And that's okay, because God's working on them too. He's getting them, he's drawing them near. I just, I've seen in the time that I've got to minister to gang members and uh, youth uh, from all different kinds of traumatic backgrounds that God is calling them home. God is drawing them near. God is wrecking them into reconciliation. And he's using God's people to do it. And I think this depiction really points to us to this that we get to be part, not only do we get to be healed, but we get to be part of the healing process. And that's exciting, guys, to be part of healing, of God's hand in healing the people around us. So the difference between, though, there is a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation, and I want you to know it. And so forgiveness requires nothing from a person that we're forgiving, they don't even have to know we're forgiving them, right? If I, there's, there's people that I've just went to the Lord and I'm like, Lord, just give me the heart to forgive them. I just start praying for them. That's one of the greatest ways to forgive someone is just start praying for them. Just with all your heart, that, that God would just bless them. Just love on them. That the, the Lord would just draw them near to Him. That's the best prayer you could pray for anyone. And especially for your enemies especially for the people who hate you. I used to have a mother-in-law, and I know I've probably talked about her uh, back in the day, my, my first mother-in-law. She used to look right through me when I'd talk to her. She'd just look right through me. You ever have somebody look right through you when you try to be cordial? They just look through you and not say a word, like you don't exist, like you are thin air, like you are a ghost. But I prayed for that lady, and I prayed for that lady, and God reconciled our relationship. And I still, to this day, I just, I know, <laughs> there's no, there is nothing I could have done. There is nothing I could have done to reconcile that relationship. It truly was one of those moments where you feel the hand of God, where you can see his fingerprint on your life. And that is, there's healing in that, man. There is healing in it. And I had to humble myself to say, man, I'm going to pray for this lady. Why am I praying for this lady? Oh, yeah, because God desires to be close to her too. That's God's child. And so the difference between this forgiveness and reconciliation, well, we can forgive anybody at any time, but and, and they don't have to know we're forgiving them, but reconciliation requires a little bit more. Reconciliation requires repentance from the offender, and even then he or she does not dictate the terms of reconciliation. So, our God gives forgiveness freely, but reconciliation is based on his terms, which 
he paid for and achieved at the cross. Okay, And that we are able to have reconciliation on all levels of our existence, but it is only through him, which totally frees me up. Frees me up to be who I am. Frees me up to do the ministry that God's called me to do. Frees me up to not have fear and paranoia and anxiety in my life. It just frees me up, guys. I'll just be honest. I've never felt more free than I do right now. And it's just because I've been wrecked by reconciliation. So it says here in 2 Corinthians 5.18, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He's healing us and drawing us closer to him, but we're also getting to heal and draw people to him. We're drawing people out of the fire to him. And what a beautiful depiction that is. In verse 19, it says, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Remember, it's not just us. It's all of creation. He's reconciling. He's bringing it all back to him. Not counting, and he's not counting there are trespasses. It says, their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. God is entrusting to you this wonderful power of humility, this wonderful power of healing. He's, he's giving this to you. This is a gift. And I love it. I love that we get to unwrap this gift for the rest of our life. We'll just get to unpack it. We'll get to unpack it. And this is it. Forgiveness starts with Jesus and you can forgive until you know, you can't forgive until how much you know you've personally been forgiven. But once you do and you change your mind and you step into reconciliation, your life will change forever. We are broken and undeserving of this forgiveness, of this reconciliation, yet it is available for us to have to have and to give freely that others may begin to understand the greatness of this concept. I love it. You, this is exciting news for us. And it's only offered in one place, and that is in Jesus Christ. Colossians 3, 12 through 14, it says, So in those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, but on, uh, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you, beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Again, he sets this up where once we get this healing going on, we become this new thing. We become this thing that we weren't before. And because of this, we get to be unified and be part of his body. And we get to step out in this humility and heal. And we begin to have a hunger for what is righteous. That's my last point today. We have a hunger that is put into us. But guys, okay, I'm, I'm going to address this one last thing before we fully engage that concept, that thought, which is, Maybe you're struggling with forgiveness right now, okay? I know we all kind of get stuck there. We do. And I don't know if this is for you today, but I wrote this for someone today. So 
maybe you're going to need to take some extra steps to forgive. You might just need to take some extra steps. And one of those steps, the most important one, is to take it to the Lord and ask for strength to stop holding a grudge. You're just going to have to ask him. It's going to be your power, Lord. You're going to have to lean on that staff just like Jacob did because you don't have the strength. And you're going to have to worship the Lord and know that he's going to give you the strength. And maybe while you do that, maybe you need to stop doing a few other things too. Maybe you need to stop rereading those hurtful emails or text messages. I don't know who that's for. Stop meeting with the friend who seems to enjoy hearing all about it. Okay? There's, there's people that, that you'll go to talk poorly about this person that you can't forgive, and they're just going to fuel the fire. They're going to fuel the fire. They're going to fuel the fire. It's not helpful. Then you're going to have to Stop going to those places with all those memories. Is there places with memories that are just not of God? Are you going back to, the, to those things? Stop savoring a cycle of thoughts, but shift your mind to the cross. Man, and, and those things, we must trust in this process. This is a process, guys. This is not a one-and-done thing that God has called us out to do. Like, this is, this is a day-by-day, minute-by-minute, hour-by-hour, getting wrecked by reconciliation. This is not a one-and-done. I mean, I know we wish it was one-and-done because, you know, ultimately, at least for me, I'm a, I, I'm a bit, um, you know, lazy. So, um, but... You know, if we would just trust in the promises of God, we would be good. If we could just trust. Remember Jacob? Don't know how he made it into the patriarchs. Oh, yeah. Faith. He was a man of faith. And if you're a man of, or woman of faith and you can just trust in God's process, then you can trust in his promises. And when we think of the promises of God, we often think, you know, of his unconditional love first, of course. You know that stuff Pinterest memes and coffee mugs are made of? You know, we think about that. Sweet. Which, it's true, right? But there are sobering promises too, guys. There's real sobering promises that God has for us. One of them is Romans 12, 19. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. So, you don't have to worry about it. Just forgive and go on and pray that, you know, I would never desire for anybody to see the Lord's vengeance. I just, I don't. I just, I want to see them know the Lord. I want to see them wrecked by reconciliation. I want to have fellowship with them. I want to love them. And that is the heart of Christ. And so as we accept and give forgiveness, we enjoy reconciliation to our heavenly father in a more full way as we begin to deeply heal. And then when we do, we begin to have that spiritual hunger, going back to that as we close, to be in a place to experience his restoration fully. It is this concept that restoration brings transformation. And it does. Ezekiel eleven nineteen, 19, it, it talks about this, this um, you know, uh, already talking about Christ, 
back in the Old Testament. And it says, I will give them one heart and put a new spirit within them. And I will take the heart of stone out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. In the New Testament, we see it too. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things pass away, and behold, new things have come. And if, you, if you're a new creature, you have new appetites. I mean, I don't know, for those of you who have animals, cat, cats don't like, you know, oh well, maybe some people's cats eat dog food. But usually they make cats for cat, you know, cat food for cats because it's healthier for them because they have a little bit different diet than a dog versus a bird versus, you know. So new creature means new appetites, new, new things that will help us grow, help us make changes, help us get closer to the Lord. There's th spiritual appetites here. In Romans 6, 6, it says, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, Christ Jesus, in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves of sin, which means if he doesn't want us to be a slave of sin, then we're a slave to Christ. But when we're a slave to Christ, we are free. We are free indeed. And I love that I don't have to run away anymore. I don't have to worry about walking away, trying to compartmentalize, hide stuff, cover up my mess. I don't have to do any of those things. I don't have to have the fear and paranoia anymore because I've received what God desires to give me. We can receive God's salvation but not embrace the benefits of reconciliation. Remember, we can, we can embrace some benefits and then say, well, we don't want all the benefits. And, and when we do that, guys, you're looking at starving yourself. Instead of hungering for the things of God, you're actually hungering for the things of trash. I don't know. I remember at a very young age, I remember the first man I saw eat out of a trash can. I was like, dad, what is that dude doing? And my dad said, he's eating out of the trash can. You know, it still breaks my heart to this very day. I can still see the man's face. I can still see him jumping into the trash can. And man, and I cannot help but see myself in my spiritual walk sometimes being that same person. And so... This is the beauty, is that, you know, when I'm eating out of the trash can, I get wrecked. But I know when I get wrecked, it's because he's coming for me. When I, when I, as a matter of fact, the first time I heard the Holy Spirit, like in me, um, I, I gave my life to the Lord and he said, I've been waiting for you. I, I felt like I, I could hear another voice inside me just that said, I have been waiting for you. And all I can say is that the same is for each of you today. He's waiting. And even as you walk as believers, he waits for you to get a little closer and to a little closer and a little closer until the day of Jesus Christ. It is a wonderful promise. So we get to receive this salvation, this reconciliation. We can you grab the benefits, or we can be angry. We can choose unforgiveness. We can choose selfishness. We can, 
enjoy our evil surmising, but if you eat of this table, you're going to be a miserable Christian or just a miserable human being in general. Just stop. Have that moment that you change your mind. Guys, as I close this message, I want to challenge all of us, including myself, to just some simple ways we can not just receive reconciliation, but also be reconciliation for other people, to point them to the Lord, that maybe you can help them get through the wreckage and be wrecked in that good way. When you go out and do your kingdom work this week, I would ask that you would just spend time listening to others. Please. You know, God is such a great listener, isn't he? He just sits and he listens and he speaks through his word. And I just would ask that you don't necessarily listen to the words that people, the, 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 the sound that's coming out of their sound hole. Not so much. But what's going on in here? Are you talking or are you listening to the people that are hurting around you? Because if you listen long enough, God will show you. And if you don't try to get rid of them because they might be uncomfortable for you or they might just not be your cup of tea and you're like, oh no, this is much more Bud style. This is much more Jim Bob. I'll just hand this guy off to Jim Bob. Jim Bob will know what to do with him. No, God is bringing people of discomfort into your life in order that you might know what you're like to other people. Embrace those people that come through these doors. Embrace one another when you see one another and listen to what they say before you speak and love them and just meet them in that reconciliation. Next, I would ask that you would practice mindfulness and focus on the present. Now, I know that, that seems kind of, well, that, why, why, would, why would I need to do that? Well, I'll tell you what, Jacob and Esau, when they stood there before each other, I don't think they were thinking about anything else. Have you ever talked to somebody? Any, anybody who's talked to me has probably known when I'm not present. Like, I'll be talking to you, but like somewhere in my mind, somewhere else. Like, people know if you're not present. And so be present with people. You know, God is always ever present with us. And so give that same thing back to people. Be present with them when you look into their, look into their eyes and let them know that you're listening, that, you know, that let them feel God's love through you. And then lastly, be, you know, not lastly, getting close to lastly, be grateful for what you have. Now, I know that gratitude is the attitude but in reconciliation, this is a huge gift. And I'll be honest, when I look at Jacob and Esau for the first time maybe ever, that they were so grateful for the relationship that God had put between them. For all the hardships, for all, this, for all that led up to this moment of them being so glad to see this restorative practice take place. I just, I encourage you just to be grateful for what the Lord has given you in the relationships, even those difficult people, those sandpaper people, those grace builders in your life. Just be grateful that, you, that God has put them in front of you. 
And then, guys, this is going to be a hard one. Ask for help when you need it. See, it got this quiet last, last, last service right about here, and that's how I know I need to, like, run. So, um, you know, but ask for help when you need it, because if you don't, like, you know, that's what Jacob did. He went home to a place where he knew he needed help. He knew he wasn't going to be able to continue to be in the land that he was in. He knew he needed to come to the end of himself. He knew that he needed, he needed help. He needed his brother. And I, we need the Lord. And we can ask for help. If we're digging in the dumpster and we're eating trash, if we're struggling and we're a mess, which we are, and so if we're all a mess, then the natural outcome of that is we should ask for help. Because last time I checked, God only did not make just one of us. But here in this room, we have a multitude of people and we're all here to help one another. That is the intent of God. That is the intent of reconciliation. So again... We get to ask for forgiveness. That's a beautiful thing. And that's what was happening right there with Jacob on his hands and knees. He was just asking for forgiveness. Such a simple act, but yet it's so hard for us, isn't it? And so just ask for forgiveness. Maybe there's somebody in your life that you, you know, you've, they're the person you feel, you know, wrecked. They're the person that has just, you know, been trouble for you. They're the person that you can't forgive. You know what? Just ask for forgiveness. Maybe you've done somebody wrong. Ask for forgiveness. What's the worst that's going to happen? They're not going to forgive you? Well, I had a mother-in-law like that, but I, pray, I, I, I prayed into reconciliation with her. So don't forget to pray. And guys, if you also get that close to somebody that you can ask for help, it's okay to seek feedback from others on a regular basis. Remember that accountability piece we talked about earlier? Like have someone in your life that knows the worst you. I promise I do. And it's not always pretty. But they'll be there to take you back to the Lord, to, to take you into that place of reconciliation where you can grow and heal and have that hunger for God again. And lastly, review your, against, review your actions against the language of pride. There's a thing that we do and that we teach in de-escalation, and one of them is a thing called counter-aggression. It's like when I'm mad, like say if I were to start yelling and swearing at you, that your natural response would be to yell and swear at me. That's counter-aggression. What we teach our people to do is to remain calm, have good word choice, body language, and voice tone. And this is the beautiful part about the Lord is that when we question our, ang our, our actions like against the language of pride, that we don't puff up to that we can remain calm and pray to God to help come in and give us words of wisdom, words of healing, words of reconciliation for those people. So God loves us too much to leave us wrecked on the side of the road, guys. I don't care where you guys are in your walk right now. I don't. Because as we all come into contact with this restorative practice, of reconciliation, we need to remember it's a process, not the one and done. We will be challenged 
And if you stop and remember to stop and get wrecked by reconciliation, then you will find humility, you will find healing, and a newfound hunger for the things of God. Heavenly Father, we just come before you, Lord, and we thank you for this wonderful concept that you created and made into being that tears down the walls of sin, tears down the walls of death, tears down anything that would hinder us from having joy, from having worship, from having goodness. Father, Lord, you are amazing. And Father, I pray that right now for every individual in here, that they would just have that moment when they're feeling fear, when they're feeling anxiety, when they feel that they have the best uh, answer or outcome, Father, I pray that they would turn to you and say, am I about to wreck, Lord? Could you show me? Could you show me that way to get closer to you? into that way of reconciliation, Lord. We desire to be close to you, Lord. We desire that intimacy. Show us what it looks like, Father. Let it be in your power, in your strength, as we go out, not just to be close to you, but also to reconcile one another, touching people's lives in your name. It's your will, Lord, and we desire that you would be glorified. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.